just thank you for your word. God, we just thank you that your word is alive and active, Father God, and that you speak to us through your word. And we just pray you would speak to our hearts and our minds this morning as we dig into your word to hear what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so what is the best meal that you've ever had? Think about it. What is maybe the, the most delicious meal? Mine would probably be salmon. I love salmon. Anybody else love salmon? A couple of people? Yeah? Well, my husband's favorite dish, my husband's favorite meal is venison. He's a huge deer hunter. He loves to hunt. He got a buck this year. Um, and he just loves to cook that venison to perfection. We do have a picture of it if you have it on the other PowerPoint. Um, he likes it so it just like melts like butter in your mouth. So I'm sorry if this is making you hungry this morning, but we're going to be talking a lot about food this morning. There are lots of stories in the Bible that deal with meals, but one meal in particular has kind of become one of the most iconic moments in Jesus' ministry. I have to think if newspapers or headlines were back there in the day, they probably would have seen a headline that said this, Jesus feeds 5,000. We're going to take a look at how the Gospel of Luke tells this story. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn with me to Luke chapter 9, verses 10 through 17, or if you open up on your Bible app, or otherwise it will be on the screen here for us. But Luke chapter 9, verses 10 through 17. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them, and with him they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it, and they followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and the countryside, find food and lodging, because we are in a remote place here. He replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, We only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. But he said this to them. Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves of two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. So to many of us, this story has kind of become legendary, right? Without even reading it, we can know some of the statistics, right? Five loaves, two fish, 5,000 people. But what if I told you that the big miracle, the big headline, Jesus feeding 5,000, isn't the only thing in this story? It's part of it. But I think when it comes from this story and applying it to our lives and learning from it, some of the best stuff comes from what is happening on the periphery of this story. Let's take a closer look. So, verse 10, when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. What is this all about? Right? In the opening paragraph of Luke chapter 9, we're told that Jesus sent his 12 disciples out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So now they're back, and they're sharing with Jesus, with one another, what they had done, what they had seen, what was going on. And if you pay attention, you'll notice this idea of 
retreat or withdrawal or seclusion is very common through the life of Jesus. Amid his growing popularity, amid his ministry, Jesus consistently creates space and time to slow down, to rest, and to pray. So knowing what we know about Jesus, it makes sense that when the 12 disciples returned from their first out on their own ministry, right, he would want them to come away to a quiet place to share, reflect, and rest. That's not what happens, right? (laughs) Verse 11, but the crowds learned about it and followed him. So the word is getting out about Jesus, right? The crowds of people are preventing Jesus and the disciples from getting away. But I want you to notice how Jesus responds to that. Verse 11, the second part, he says, He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who needed healing. So what does Jesus do, right? He welcomes them, he teaches them, and he heals them. First of all, we notice that speaking to them about the kingdom of God and healing the sick is exactly what Jesus called the 12 disciples to go out and do. They were going out and doing exactly that later, earlier in the chapter. Don't miss that Jesus welcomed them. Did you know that this is just one of a handful of stories that actually appears in all four Gospels? Jesus feeds the 5,000 in Matthew 14, in Mark 6, in Luke 9, and in John chapter 6. And I always kind of find it interesting to see the small differences between the Gospel accounts in the story. Matthew and Mark tell us that Jesus had compassion for the crowd, but Luke tells us that he welcomed them. Jesus is trying to get away. The crowd interrupts his plan. He feels compassion for them, right? He welcomes them. There's a difference between feeling compassion and welcoming, showing hospitality. We haven't even gotten to the meal part of this story, and I think it's important that we recognize that at the table of Jesus, All are welcome. Jesus didn't turn his back on the people and said, you're interrupting my plans. I got a list here. I'm following it. This is the next thing to do, right? He welcomed them. He told them about the kingdom of God, and he healed them. The story takes a bit of a turn. Verse 12, it said, Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and the countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. The disciples, they start doing the math, right? It doesn't say this, but I can kind of imagine Peter like, Y'all, I am getting hungry here. Let's get this show on the road. Uh huh. I'm guessing they might have even been giving Jesus the look for a while. How many of you have ever given or received the look? Right? Mm-hmm. But Jesus replied to them, you give them something to eat. Jesus told the disciples, you feed the crowd. The disciples are going to become the first church. Right? He's telling the church, you give my people something to eat. You feed them. So often we look to God and we think, oh, God will take care of that. We just have to have faith. And yes, we do have to have faith. And yes, Jesus and God can take care of everything. But a lot of times God is asking us to step out in faith, right? To take action in some way. 
to give something of ourselves, and then he takes our gifts, our time, our talents, our money, and he uses it to do the miraculous. He takes our little step of faith and grows it into something huge. And of course, it's okay to pray for things and ask God and talk to him, but a lot of times God asks us to do something as well. In the book of John, it says the disciples found someone who took that step of faith, who took that action. Someone who wasn't afraid to give Jesus what little bit he had. John 6, 8-9 says, One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? I love this verse, okay? Because not only did John mention that the little boy is donating his lunch, but he says, how much is that? How much can we really do? Do you guys remember traveling with little kids? Right? They're always hungry. My kids, especially my three-year-old boy, MJ, he literally eats 24-7. We're always feeding him. So when we go to the park in the summer to play, I pack juice boxes and graham crackers and goldfish and fruit snacks and, and carrots and grapes. And like I have this whole lunch bag, bag packed so we can go for a half an hour play date at the park. And so one time my husband, Micah, took them to the park. Well, he didn't bring any snacks. He didn't bring any water. He didn't bring anything. And they get to the park, and they're like, Dad, where's the food? And Micah's like, guys, we're here to play. Let's go on the playground. No, Dad, Mom always brings snacks. Where are the snacks? And he about had a mutiny because he didn't bring any snacks, right? When you have little kids, you go anywhere, you drive anywhere, you're bringing food for them to snack on. And I have read this story many, many times. And when I was reading it one day, God just spoke to my heart and he said, do you think that little boy was the only one who brought a lunch? And I was like, no, probably not. I mean, we know the Bible says there was 5,000 men there. Scholars say there was probably about 10,000 people there because they didn't count all the women and all the children that were there. They were in a remote place. I got to believe that some of those mamas were smart enough to bring some snacks, right? Some lunch for their kids because they were going to a remote place. And so I was like, man, yeah, he probably wasn't the only one who had a lunch. And God spoke gently to my heart and he said, he was the only one who had faith to give me that lunch. And out of all those people, it was the faith of a little boy who said, Jesus can do something with this. I don't care that there's 10,000, 5,000, however many thousands of people here. Jesus can take my lunch. Jesus can feed these people, right? How often do we need to have that childlike faith to just step out and say, God, I don't have much. I don't have much money. I'm not very talented. I can't speak. I can't do this or that. But say, God, what I have, I give you. Give God what you have and watch him do a miracle. Watch him use that. That little boy is such a good example that he was able to be used and God was able to feed all those people. See, the disciples, they didn't have that childlike faith, right? They were still trying to figure out, how can we buy all this food? How can we feed them? The disciples were like, probably, thanks, little boy. That's so sweet. Okay, I'll take that to Jesus, right? That, that, that will help some. Now, how are we going to do this? But that's when the miracle happens. 
He said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces left over. So there's a lot of things going on here, right? We don't we get any specifics about the actual miracle. Luke is not concerned with how Jesus turned five loaves and two fish to feed thousands of people. That's not the point of the story. So if that's not the point of the story, what is the point of the story? We're going to look at the five W's, the who, the what, the when, the where, and the why. It's very important for us to remember as we look at this for the practical application of us today. So who? Who got to participate in this meal? Everybody, right? Jesus did not say, where's your credentials? He didn't say, "Um, are you a member of the church? He didn't say, are you sure you believe everything I believe, right? He knew they didn't. That's because the table of Jesus is open for everyone, including the people in Mexico. I'm sure the disciples got to eat too, but they also got to participate in this meal, right? In a unique way. They got to organize it. They got to set the table, so to speak. They served the food. Jesus uses his followers to facilitate his meals. So friends, how often do we miss opportunity to set the table so that others can have a meal with Jesus just because we think they don't belong? Jesus wants to build bigger tables, not smaller ones. What? What did Jesus serve at this meal? Well, obviously, five loaves, two fish, but really it was whatever they had. Whatever they had, Jesus used. Jesus told the disciples, you give them something to eat. Disciples were like, this is all we have and it's not enough. Jesus was like, I can work with that, right? How often do we miss opportunity to set the table so that others can have a meal with Jesus because we don't think we have what it takes? It can be daunting. How can we fit into God's plan for the universe, right? God's purposes. I mean, what do we have to offer? But time and time again through Scripture, we see God uses the least qualified to make the biggest impact in his kingdom. And if you're willing to offer God what little you have, whatever it is, God can say, I can work with that. Not only that, but he can do something miraculous with it. And when it's all said and done, you have more than what you started with. Remember, there was 12 baskets full left over. So what are you passionate at? What are you good at? What gifts do you have? Don't overthink it. You start connecting your purpose and plans and gifts to God by looking at whatever you've got to work with and allowing God to use it, to use your gifts, to use your time, to use your money. The disciples brought him the boy's five loaves and two fish, and he can do something amazing with it. So we got the who, we got the what. What about the when? When did this meal take place? Well, technically at the wrong time right? That was not what his plan was. His plan was interrupted by all the crowds of people, but Jesus welcomed them. 
And when the disciples gave Jesus the look and tried to find people, have them go find their own meal and their own lodging, Jesus was, no, it's time to set the table. It's time to feed my people. We love pastoring up here on the Iron Range. We love our community. We love our church. It's growing. It's doing amazing. But God told us it's time for us to set the table in Mexico so that Mexicans can have a meal with Jesus. It might not have been our timing. It might not have been something we thought we were going to be doing right now at this point in our life with three little kids and just birthed a baby six months ago, right? But with Jesus, there is no wrong time, right? His time is perfect. And his time is for us to go to Mexico to share the gospel, to present his word to them that they can read it for the very first time in their life. Friends, how often do we miss this opportunity to set the table so that others can have a meal with Jesus because we think we have other things to do? We're too busy, right? It's not the right time. Uh, we don't want any interruptions right now. We're just too comfortable with where we're at. Maybe we're too scared. With Jesus, there is no right time for a meal. He's always welcoming them. Always. So where? Where did this meal take place? Right where they were. The text tells us they were in a remote place, somewhere on the way to the next town. Jesus didn't tell the disciples to go find the perfect place, maybe where there's lots of shade and trees and the grass is like super soft and maybe if there's a little river flowing in the background, it'll look cool. No, they had a meal right then, right there in the remote place. Friends, how often do we miss that opportunity to set the table so that others can have a meal with Jesus because we think we're not in the right place? I love coming to church, and I'm definitely not saying you shouldn't invite your friends to church, because we should. But Jesus doesn't need a building to share a meal, right? Do you see how this is kind of shaping up? The table of Jesus is for whomever, with whatever, and is happening whenever and wherever. And that leads us to our most important question. Why? Why was this meal so important? The simple answer is Jesus. Jesus was there. That's why it was important. In the pages leading up to the story, one of the themes of Luke's Gospels has been, who is Jesus? Right? The disciples asked it. Herod asked it. Who is this? And immediately after this, in verse 18 and 20, Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter steps up with an answer, and he says, you are Jesus, the Messiah. Messiah, Lord, Savior, King, Jesus. This is the one who gives us our why. He is the one. Why is this meal important? Because Jesus was at the table. I think we often act like setting the table with Jesus is, is some sort of exclusive event, right? Maybe it's like one of those trendy restaurants that's hard to get into, and you have to get a reservation six months in advance, and you buy a new outfit, and you get all dressed up fancy, and you get there, and you still look like you're underdressed, and you don't fit in, and maybe you, you want to get to your table, and the, the waiter looks like, 
you do not have a reservation at this restaurant. And they're like, oh, yes, we do. Just check our names. And, and they say, oh, yeah, you do. And then you slip them an extra 20 to try and get a table maybe a little bit closer to where Jesus is. That's not how Jesus works, right? We don't have to wait. We don't have to slip money. We don't have to change how we look to be with Jesus, to belong. Jesus is for whoever, whatever, whenever, and wherever. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we get to help him set that table. We get to help him serve that food. We get to be a part of the miracle, just like that little boy was a part of the miracle, right? He gave what little he had to Jesus. So friends, don't miss that opportunity to set the table so that someone else can have a meal with Jesus. Just because you think they don't belong, or you don't have what it takes, or it's not the right time, or it's not the right place, maybe your table's up here in Hill City, right? God might be calling you here to set the table for your coworkers, for your friends, for your neighbors, for your unsaved family members. Remember in verse 13, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he said, you give them something to eat. But God also calls each of us to set the table for all the nations to know him. Mark 16, 15 says, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Not everyone will go to all the world or all the nations, but everyone can give and everyone can pray for all the nations. For us as a family, we have given and we have prayed for decades for the nations, <clears throat> but now it's our time to go. It's our time to go to all the nations, to go into the world. Less than 3% of the people in Mexico are evangelical Protestants. 2% is an unreached people group. They are just barely over an unreached people group. And 3% is not enough. 3% is not enough of people who have a personal and intimate relationship with God. Just as a little boy gave what little he had, what food he had, Jesus took that small gift and he multiplied it to feed the thousands. God can use what you might think as a little gift and multiply it to feed the thousands of people who are spiritually hungry in Aguas Calientes, Mexico. So what can you give to God today so that he can multiply it, so that he can use it to minister to his children in Mexico? Jesus is doing something miraculous all the time, all around us, and he wants us to be a part of it. We just need to step out in faith. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for your word. God, thank you for <clears throat> challenging us. Thank you for encouraging us. God, thank you that you just reminded us, God, of, of how we can help participate in your story and present the gospel to the people right here, even in Hill City, our neighbors and friends and coworkers. God, we just pray you would use us. God, use our gifts, use our talents, use our time, use our, our money, God, to just further the kingdom of God so that one more, at least one more, can know who you are, can have that relationship with you. God, we just ask that we would have that childlike faith to step out and give you what little we have. 
and watch you do a miracle with it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.